You know, we want to welcome everybody here. You know, obviously, obviously, obviously. That's right. I got Dave here. Uh, I, I think that... You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Speaking of that, speaking of that... Celinda. You know, we want to welcome everybody here. Everything all at once? Everything all at once. It's honestly a sensation. Aliens listen to it. I don't think I have the... We have a mental capacity anymore to stay on track for an hour without diverting in some direction, you know? Yeah, it's a hard. It's hard. That's why we're everything at once, you know. That is why makes we're sense. Everything at once. It's it's a, a paradox and an actual fact of life. Because hmm. you always want everything at once, and we're trying to do everything at once, but nothing ever actually happens everything at once like we imagine it to. It all does and does not. Right. It yeah. all comes together and happens. I don't know about all at once, though. Everything at once. It usually happens in, like, hour-to-hour, 15-minute blocks. Little spurts. Little spurts. Little spurts. Well, and our experience of time, you know, could play into that as well. So maybe everything is happening at once. Maybe everything is. Wow, very zen of you. Yeah. I guess, like, in the exact second that we're living, it's everything that we'll ever live at that point. At once. Yeah. Right. And and our theory of progress and and the future and what is right now, boy, Kelly, you're cracking open huge cans of worms immediately right out of the gate. That's what I'm here for. This is exactly <laughs> what I was hoping you were here for. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, uh, we are super happy to have you here. Welcome to the show, Everything at Once. Uh, Kelly is the owner of Bella's Blooms and a very close friend for a very long time. So it's super cool to have you here um, to talk about your business and to talk about you and get to know you a little bit better and let all the people that listen know about what you've got going on. Well, Uh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. And we have this beautiful arrangement. Anybody that's watching on video, we have this beautiful arrangement from Bella's Blooms as the centerpiece today, we've been switching it up. Every time somebody brings something, it always ends up on the table. It's, and it's good promotion. So smart, smart business sense. Have you always been such a smart businesswoman? Um, I've been around a lot of business people for a lot of years. So I think I've picked things up along the way. Learn things. Mm-hmm. Progress. So what made you want to start Bella's Blooms? Have you? I feel like I never imagined you as a gardener. I thought you were very, like, corporate, business suits, like, kicking ass and taking names in the conference room and stuff like that. So where did, where did your interest in flowers and making arrangements come from? So if you remember back to, did you know me when I lived on 38th Street? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you remember I had a garden in the back, mm-hmm. and I started vegetables from seed in the basement. I think people that lived near me thought I was growing pot because I had... I have seeds in my basement over there, too, actually. Grow lights, and you could see them from those windows that mm-hmm. like look down into the basement. And mm-hmm. so I think they wondered probably what was going on, but it was really just tomatoes and peppers. and <laughs> Nothing too exciting. Nothing too exciting. So... I have always been interested in growing my own food and done that as a very small hobby. In a lot of those years, you know, it got away from me. I didn't always weed or water appropriately. And it was like, you know, sometimes I had a good crop and sometimes I didn't. And then not this year, the previous year, I had thrown in a few sunflowers, cosmos, 
easier to grow flowers in an area in my garden that did not have anything. You know, I mean, I just did nothing with them except threw some seeds over there. and Or I think I started them from seed and then put them in. Mm-hmm. And they grew so easily. Um, and I've always loved flowers. Sure. So those things, you know, were always kind of swirling around when I lived in apartments in Phoenix and in LA, I always had orchids. Mm-hmm. So I've just kind of always loved plants. Um, and then, you know, I grew up on property as well. So I've always been around nature and loved plants, but yes, always felt very Connected. driven and like success was, you know, my title and who I was in business. And so growing up, I didn't know any farmers, you know, that I looked at what they were doing and thought, oh, that's interesting and, you know, something that I could aspire to. I just had no idea that becoming a flower farmer was even an option. That was a thing. Though obviously must, people must grow flowers, so do who are Somebody they? has to. Yeah. Do, you think it's, uh, do you think it's easier not having like a a person in mind to base what you're doing off of like you said you didn't know any farmers um just being able to like kind of blaze your own path do you think it's easier that way i think it's hard to imagine something without examples so for me maybe not for other people but i have done things along my career very much because i had mentors or people that you know i could follow in their footsteps and Honestly, what made this possible, what I'm doing right now, is YouTube. Without YouTube, this would not have happened. This too. Because I fell (laughs) down this YouTube rabbit hole because I wanted to grow a specific flower that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And it's called a ranunculus. I've never seen people grow them in their garden. Um, I I wanted them for my bridal bouquet. So that's how I came across it, Pinteresting all the flowers I wanted in my bouquet. And so I went on, I was like, oh, I'm going to grow more flowers this year. I want to grow these ranunculus. And the only people posting about how to grow them were all flower farmers. And all of a sudden there was this whole world of people out there and, you know, mentors or people that were sharing their experience freely, um, which has been one of the coolest things about the industry is that people are 100%. Here's exactly, here's how I do it and what I do. There's not this... Oh, I'm, you know, Can't competition. Can't share my trade and, secrets. Yeah, mm. because, you know, you're in whatever community three states over and local flowers are local flowers. So, you know, I think everybody is committed to the idea of local flowers getting more of a market share. And so they really want to see other people succeed. So there was just this, like, wealth of information available and... I watched YouTube for probably three months straight. That's good. Yeah. That's do, you, do you think that... Uh, has that experience been a lot different from the other stuff that you've learned in business? Just the sharing of knowledge and the support among other people. So right off probably the first month I found some Facebook groups too, right? So YouTube, Facebook groups, um, which exists for probably everything that you're into in Mm -hmm. the world. So I found one for flower farmers in six B, which is the zone. The zone we're in. Yeah. And, Somebody posted, oh, I'm in Northwest PA in one of their comments. And so I said, oh, I am too. Here's where I am. And she said, oh, I'm in Albion. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, you're, mm-hmm. we're next door neighbors. 
And we ended up hooking up, uh, just DMing back and forth some questions that I had for her because she had been in business for a couple of years and we had never met, didn't even exchange phone numbers yet. And she was like, here. And she sent me her Google doc for her entire seed starting plan, Wow, which is basically the keys, right? Like here's exactly my map. Now there's a lot more that goes into it, but still just instead of just answering my one question, she freely shared that with me. Was it easy going from like watching this stuff on, on YouTube and sharing DMS to like actually going out and planting and growing these flowers? I know like, you know, I've tried to Poorly, very poorly, but I've tried like working on my car, you know, doing some like knickknack type stuff and watching videos. And even if I watch it, like I just cannot like get it right, you know. Um, not with everything, but with a lot of things. Was it easy for you when you first started? I think I had enough experience seed starting to know what some of the common missteps are. Um, and there is something about it. So I'm an accountant by trade. And so I think I remember somebody at my office asking me, that's weird. You know, you're an accountant and now a flower farmer, but here's the connection. It's very, very specific. Mm. So every flower has its exact way that it needs to germinate, you know, grow. And so, I mean, spreadsheets, right? She shared a spreadsheet. I'm like, we're going to be best friends. (laughs) (laughs) So I think some of those things that were natural for me over here also really apply to some aspects of flower farming. The part that's been the hardest is just knowing that some of it is hard-won experience. Mm, Yeah. You know, so there's just going to be stuff in nature that I'm not going to know what it is until it happens. (laughs) And then I'm going to, you know, hopefully do better next time. And so just really leaning into that and saying, okay, well, you know, only a 10% crop failure is really great for my first year instead of feeling like, oh, how did I mess that up? You know, just looking for the wins. Are there any plants that you've had a hard time growing? My asters this year just all died. I Mm -hmm. think it was too wet. Um, in the, in the bed that I planted them in, I didn't realize that I could have gotten different attachments for my irrigation system to allow me to turn certain rows off and on because different plants have different water needs. Sure. So mine were just like kind of all getting the same amount of water. Um, and yeah, they just one by one. I've been I trying died. to grow pawpaws for like three years from seed and have been failing every year, every time I've tried to grow them. Can you get them to germinate? No. Okay. And have you tried different methods? Uh, there seems to be pretty much... Actually, I did try a few different methods. I did one in the refrigerator. Okay. And I did one just outside in, like, over winter because the pawpaw seeds need, like, six months of hibernation in cold weather to mm-hmm. be able to grow. And neither of my attempts succeeded. And I was very sad because I really want to... I've never had a pawpaw before. Me either. And they, like, grow locally around here in the forest and stuff like that. And they're supposed to be, like, this delicious, like, tropical fruit that grows in heavy shade, which my backyard is perfect for. And I just haven't been able to get any to grow. And it's been a bummer. So... Yeah, so cold stratification. And then when you did winter sowing, did you use a milk jug? No, I put them in the dirt. Okay. So I've seen a lot of flower farmers for cold season crop just fill up halfway with, you know, like a compost mixture and then take a milk, like a gallon jug 
and cut it almost all the way around, but you leave that half kind of attached mm-hmm. to it so that you can get into it, and then it flops back over, and it allows sort of a greenhouse effect, but without getting too hot. Right. I don't know. Maybe. I had to get special pots for them because they grow a deep tap root. Okay. So you don't want to, yes, transplant them unless there's, you know, you get them young or you want to just put them where they're going to go. Right. Yeah. Okay. They're interesting, though. I'm, I hope that someday I'll grow them. Maybe, maybe I'll grow some someday. I'm learning. I've been trying lot. to find some in the woods that I can just, like, dig up that are, like, saplings and take home with me because they grow around here, and I've seen them, but never with the fruit on them and never with, like, a shovel or the gear I would need to, like, dig them out of the forest. I don't even know if I'm really allowed to dig them out of Is the forest. Is it, like, a bush, a tree? It's, like, a I small fruit tree. It. It's a tree. <laughs> I also wonder if you could graft it. If you could take yeah. a cutting and then graft it to something else and then grow it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anything could happen. We're, we're all learning here, you know what I mean? And uh, that's really been a beautiful part of, like, trying to learn how to grow plants. Because my plants always die. I need a plant that, like, thrives off neglect and... <laughs> Cactus. Cactus. Yeah. 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 Well, cactus and, like, I've heard aloe plants. I've killed, like, three air plants so far. I've never had a plant to kill. Never no. had a no. single I got, plant? Uh, no, I never, like, I don't know. It just seems like too much work. Uh, I carried a Monstera through Wegmans a couple weeks ago, and that's pretty much the extent of... Of the plant knowledge. Well, I guess when I was younger, I'd kind of help here and there with, uh, like, my mom's garden, but nothing, like, I'm just learning a whole bunch of stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with the cold coming, what are your plans to keep your flowers growing? None. So I anticipate that they're, yep, everybody's going to bed actually probably tonight. So there have been some frost so far, but we're going to get an actual freeze, which I think will just take everything out. And a lot of the different varieties have been completely done for a number of weeks. Um, So no greenhouse, no... Not this year. Um, So there is a program through the state that you can apply for for a high tunnel grant. And so I'm in the process of working through that. And it's through their, um, it's actually not through the state, it's through the federal government. So the Department of Agriculture and then the Farm Agency, so the Farm Bill. Mm -hmm. um, And it is for conservation. And so it's to prevent soil erosion. And so they're looking to have more people plant things into the ground. Mm -hmm. And so they're providing these grants for high tunnels or a hoop house, which is basically just an unheated greenhouse with plastic. Yeah, we we had another guest that talked about hoop houses a little bit for what she was doing in the past. Um, You're like our our second gardener that we've had on here. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, second. (laughs) And it's all been interesting. So in the future, greenhouse, yes. Right now, greenhouse, no. Right, so maybe end of next year, unheated hoop house for season extension so that I could start flowers sooner and have blooms earlier and have them go longer. Um, I'm not sure. I don't want to say never because you're always learning. I am not sure about, you know, a 365 model because I am very interested in conservation. I think that that is one of the things that's most attractive to me about it um, is that, you know, 80% of the flowers sold in the United States come from overseas, which means they are cut and then shipped. And how much fuel does that use? What are the practices in those countries? Often they're countries that do not have, 
environmental protection laws, labor laws, et cetera, pumped full of chemicals. They are not organic, you know, mm-hmm. and they're going to a market probably over in the Netherlands and then coming here and then getting put on a truck and then being brought, you know, finally wow. to Erie. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very interested in the enjoyment of what nature has to offer for people because obviously throughout human history there's been you know why do people love flowers they they don't do anything they sit there and then they're going to die right i mean they do not you can eat i guess a few of them but Mm -hmm. for the most part there's something about them some quality that i think is very attractive to our spirit and so that's why all cultures around the world flowers are a central part of celebrations and it's been that way um, throughout human history so I think the desire to have them is there and natural but we can do it in a more sustainable way rather than you know shipping things all across the globe every day I've always thought it's been like the the colors Mm -hmm. that's what it's always been for me with flowers like obviously in today's day and age, it's artificially re- reproduced in a lot of different ways. But I feel like naturally, nothing really draws out color like flowers do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what always has drawn me to them. I think it's about birth and life. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the flower comes to bloom. It comes out every spring when all of this rebirth is happening. And there's something really beautiful and very human for a plant to, you know, come back to life and see the sun again, just like we, ex- you know, head out from, from winter. Yeah. Yep. The ephemeral quality, the fact that they don't last forever, I think makes you... You know, Cherish want to them, enjoy right? them. The Eckhart Tolle book, A New Earth, mm-hmm. in the very beginning talks about flowers, um, gemstones, and birds being these things that, again, have been like symbols throughout history that, you know, we attach to because of that quality that they offer. I definitely vibe with the birds. I, yeah. vibe, I vibe with all those things for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all very beautiful and very awe-inspiring in their own way, you know? Um, so you, you mentioned vegetables a little bit, or that none of your flowers are really edible. Is there any plans to, like, make some edible vegetables garden or anything? So I'm not... I do not have any plans to do anything that would be for sale, vegetable-wise. Mm-hmm. Flowers, potentially, but... I, I haven't even started down the path of what that would require license-wise. I mean, obviously, if you're going to give somebody something and tell them to ingest it, that's a totally, yeah. <laughs> totally different thing. Though, again, I'm you know I've grown without chemicals and stuff, so I do feel really good about what I'm growing. But I just would want to be super responsible mm-hmm. with doing that, so it's not in the immediate. So, do you do your own compost and fertilizer mm-hmm. and stuff like that? So, I do use fertilizer, but I use like a fish emulsion, you know, certified organic products for fertilizer, bone meal, blood meal, that type of thing. Um, and then, yes, do we are on the process of making our own compost. There's a million ways to do it. You could have... There is actually an entire podcast series about compost, so yeah. um, I will not pretend to be that knowledgeable about it, but leaf mold, like chopping up all the leaves. You know, here, all these years, I've been doing all this work to get the leaves out of the yard, and now it's like, oh, I just have good? all these yeah. leaves, and I want to keep them and um, turn them. And, yeah, so we um, started by actually... Dur- 
Dirtworks Organics is a local company that sells compost and soil for raised beds. And that's what I did the first year. I did a no-till style bed making where I had cardboard. Um, You could have seen me. So in my day job, I work in manufacturing. And um, we get, like, big cardboard Gaylords of material and um, use cardboard to package products in. And whenever something is damaged, it gets put over here and it gets taken by the recycler. But I would go in there and pull all the big sheets of cardboard at the end of my shift. And then I'd be, like, shoving them in the back of my SUV and taking them home for months. Mm -hmm. And then finally when the weather broke, I was out there doing the lasagna with all of the cardboard over my entire bed space so there's a layer of cardboard under everything which was there to kind of suppress weeds and kill everything and then added six inches of compost on top of the cardboard in the beds and then did uh wood chips in the pathways okay so cardboard dirt any more layers after that Mm -mm. because i've heard one of our other guests mentioned that they do like a lasagna like that where they layer everything together and uh that way it gets everything it needs and it kind of grows through the different stages there's so much like strategy i feel like when it comes to growing plants it's an entire i think we take for granted i took for granted how much science there is to yeah, growing things, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I go to the grocery store and I just take for granted that all these vegetables are in the produce aisle and I can just buy them whenever I want them. Mm-hmm. And I don't spend a lot of time thinking about how they got there or the work that was done. Um, yeah, it's a lot. So do you think that growing your own plants on this scale has kind of slowed down time for you? Hmm. Or sped it up because now you're busier? I'm busier, so I don't think it's... I think I try to stop and appreciate when the hawk is overhead or the sky is really pretty mm-hmm. or the fog mm-hmm. is different in the morning, um, but there it is a very labor-intensive practice, and so um, doing it while trying to scale something while working full-time, yeah, there's... There's many nights where you'll catch me out past dark with a headlamp. Yeah, yeah. still working. Do you, yeah. Do you have a uh, Do you have a favorite flower you've grown, or like something at the top of your list that you want to add to the uh, repertoire coming into next spring? So ads for next year. So the dahlias were amazing. Those are super cool plants. Um, they grow from tubers that are kind of like potatoes. You plant them. They are not cold hardy in our zone because the ground freezes too much, so you have to dig them up each year. But when you dig them up, you can divide them, and then you can have more five times as many plants next year. Um, and they come in just every variety, color, from the smallest to the big, you know, some of the flowers or dinner plate dahlias are like this. So those are at the top of the list. And I invested in peonies right away. Um you know, again, trying to really take advantage of what we have here, peonies need a cold period to grow. So the south half of the United States, not half, but, you know, Florida or mm-hmm. other, you know, really warmer climates cannot grow peonies. Actually, peonies grow great in Alaska, hmm. um, and that's where a lot come from. But also here, we definitely get the cold that we need. I've had them in my landscaping for many years and I don't do anything with them and they bloom every year (laughs) they last they're perennials so they last 50 plus years 
Um, so I put in 100 and 130 total additional plants this year, but those take a couple of years before you really start to get blooms that you can use. So that won't be for next year's season. And, and not all flowers bloom at the same time or in the same time frame. No, not at all, which is great. So there's a lot of planning there to get those early spring blooms, summer, and then your fall crop. Um, yeah, so you gotta you gotta implement like a time strategy too in a mm-hmm. calendar, I'm sure. To and know. there's bed flipping, you know, and then there's succession planting. And so some flowers are a once and done. Mm-hmm. So, for example, sunflowers, um, flower farmers typically grow a single stem sunflower. There's a couple of varieties out there. So instead of having all those branches with all the different heads all over it, it'll grow up and it'll have one head and that's it. When you cut it, that's it. The plant's done. It's not going to flower again. So you plant those every week so that every week you have more, more sunflowers. Where other plants are cut and come again, you could plant them in the beginning of the season and then keep cutting off of them and they will just rebloom and rebloom for months. That's awesome. So have you have you had any not issues? I wouldn't say that's the right word. Um, have you had to have you ran into anything yet where like a client wants a flower, like a certain type of flower and it's just like not the right time for it? So education is a big piece of this. So um, I think at the size that I'm at and the types of work that I'm taking, I haven't really yet, but I am very specific, especially for event work and saying, um, we can talk color palette, but in terms of specific flowers, I'm just not comfortable doing that because either I might not grow it, it might not bloom when I thought it was going to bloom, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you want it's your wedding and you want it to be yellow and purple, I can make sure we can do that. Um, But I'm not necessarily going to promise a specific flower, which again, I think, you know, if you're looking for that kind of high end and it has to be this Pinterest thing, then you probably are looking more at a traditional florist or Mm -hmm. like a larger scale operation. If you have bought into this idea of supporting local, buying local, you know, um, I've, only done a couple of weddings but those brides were amazing and you know really loved the idea of this was planted with my wedding in mind and grown by somebody who cared for it in this way and you know was able to provide it then I think that they've just been so flexible so I think that people you know but in other things, like even myself, I've been surprised when like I want to support local, and you just don't realize how spoiled we are about like the ability to like ship internationally or go to a a grocery store and get like you know strawberries in the winter, strawberries in the winter, just like peaches whenever I want, you right. know. And it's just like then you go local, and you're like, oh, you know, it's it it just throws you off. Like you don't realize how much um work and and just like time specificity goes into that kind of stuff yeah i mean i talked about wanting ranunculus in my wedding bouquet my wedding was in september they bloom in may Hmm. you know i didn't know right you know most people don't know um and so i think education and getting people to see that and i get it you know i'm not going to be for everybody all the time um but you know hopefully more often people will choose to buy from a local grower if that meets their needs. I think that the local market is really starting to 
be more prioritized amongst people, mm-hmm. at least lately. You know what I mean? Not There's always been like a, a pullback from shopping at like Walmart or the big superstores or Amazon or whatever. Um, but I, I, at least me personally, and maybe this is just from my own experience, I, I, I try to support local whenever I can. And I think other people are doing that a lot more, which is great for us as a community and Erie as like a city in general. I think it fosters those connections to be able to know who you're getting something from and the work that they put into it and supporting that rather than these giant conglomerate corporations that um, they don't have the same kind of love or the same kind of passion or the same kind. I mean, maybe they do. I can't really say that they don't especially when it comes to flower farming, I feel like you have to have some sort of love to go into that, but it's a lot more mechanized, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I just watched a video on YouTube today. I can't remember the name of the company and I think it was in Ecuador where they grow roses and it was acres and acres of indoor greenhouses. I mean, miles, right. And all of it, it was very, very kind of high tech the way they did it. They had calipers measuring the bloom head size. I mean, yeah, the whole thing blew my mind. I'm (laughs) like, Oh my, they cut 300,000 roses a day. 300,000 roses a a day. Yeah. I mean, it's just nuts. I think it's one of the premier biggest roses. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Places in the whole world, but yeah, just, so that's a totally different thing. But to your point about wanting to support local, I know when people would come, this is our pearl arrangement. So it's this, you know, kind of smaller size jar at a price point that is perfect for, Hey, somebody invited me for dinner tonight. I wanted to take a little something for Mm -hmm. the host or a friend is having surgery and I just wanted to get them something or a birthday or whatever, or I just want it on my desk at work. Um, but I did have multiple people tell me, I love taking these as gifts because it's something different. It is local, you know, and it just had that kind of little something special with the story to it that made it feel more personal as yeah. a gift right. than, you know, something generic that anybody could buy. A bottle of wine or whatever mm-hmm. people were getting for each other. Yeah. I was laughing earlier because I had another point. I was laughing earlier just because I was imagining somebody just getting, like, super pissed every time a flower came out of the ground, you know. <laughs> right. Fucking got to cut another oh, flower, you know. What the fuck? Uh, but the first time I had ever seen one of your bouquets live and in person was at Ember and Forge, mm. which is another just great, fantastic, you know, eerie owned business, local business. And uh, we were talking a little earlier before the show about how last week we had on uh, Samantha from from uh, Sunday, on Sunday. and uh, Well, she, yeah, I guess owns. next week. I don't know. Sorry, I was just confused about the timeline because we're recording this early. Don't tell anybody. Oh shoot! What day is it? In in the timeline of it, like with the with the uh, production magic, last week. Right, Samantha. We interviewed. Okay, so let's just go with that. Sure. Thanks, Dave. And uh, I got you covered, bro. Gideon should have been in charge of that. She's the producer, but she's just busy licking her paws over there. Uh, (laughs) These idiots. But um. And you were kind of talking about with Dirtworks, too, on the other side of it, like like uh, pre-consumption, uh, let's say. There's a lot of synergy going on in this mm-hmm. city. And, uh, you know, I, I know that was something you were saying that's extremely exciting and, and something that you'd like to talk about a little bit. Like, how important is that? So 
again, because I didn't really have any experience running my own business prior to this, I worked in public accounting for a number of years. So I advised business owners. So I knew lots of entrepreneurs and honestly, you know, kind of always turned away from the idea of owning my own business because I always knew how much work it was, you know? I mean, it it sounds simple and everybody, it sounds glamorous, but I saw the behind the scenes enough to know that it's a lot of work. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I joined a group, uh, it's called the Athena Circle of Trust. I think I joined seven or eight years ago and it was the founding year. There's 18 of us. We're kind of same general age bracket, Um, women that are leaders or emerging leaders in their organization is the way that it was developed. And we're there to kind of be peer mentors for each other. And in that group are a few women and, you know, the membership changes over the years, but there have been a few women who have owned their own businesses, Hannah with Ember and Forge being one of them. Um, And so right from the start, when I started to have this vision of what this could look like and thought about a retail outlet, coffee shops are very common as a place for growers across the country to put their flowers. Um, And so when I approached Hannah about it immediately, she was like, yes, I would love to have them there. I mean, that's her whole vibe is to support local and make this a place that feels like eerie and that people can come and gather and exchange ideas. I mean, that's what the coffee shop was built on. So she was more than happy to have me come, um, and has been, you know, so flexible and however I wanted to set it up. Um, and then Samantha that you mentioned. So I did my first pop-up in May where I just went on social media and said, Hey, by the way, I'm announcing I have a business and here's my first set of bouquets that I made, um, which is very scary to put yourself out there and especially in a creative realm, right? What if, what if nobody likes it? What if they think this is stupid or horrible or, you know, and so you're just like, well, I'm going to put this thing that I love out into the world and hopefully somebody likes it. Um, and so friends purchased for me, which, you know, in terms of supporting local, I had supported friends over the years, but I think didn't really realize how valuable that was until it was the other way around. Mm -hmm. Sure. That's just the way I work. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know if that makes me kind of a, you know, what that means about me as a person, but I think it's just, you never realize how special things are until you're on the other end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of my friends purchased one and put it online on Facebook to promote me. And then shortly thereafter, Samantha reached out to me. I'd never met her in my life and said, I want to buy a bouquet. Okay. Stop at my house. Here's my address. And she was so amazing. I mean, just excited right from the beginning about what I was doing and then proceeded to not only buy from me weekly so that she could put them on her, you know, her pop-ups on her table or when she started launching the trailer, the ice cream trailer, Mm -hmm. she would put them there. But she tagged me in all her social media and she's got an amazing following. She built, you know, a really great social network. And so I got all this exposure, you know, for nothing, right? Just because she wanted, she liked the idea um, and she wanted to see another local business owner succeed. I mean, she got nothing from me for doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So just amazing to see people continue to think of others and give something away. Do you think that Erie, being a smaller city, has an advantage that way in that everybody kind of knows each other? 
compared to like a larger city like Pittsburgh or Cleveland or anything like that? Absolutely. I think, you know, you have a limited market because there's less people here, but you can make inroads and connections and really cover ground quickly and get to know people without a ton of effort, you know? So, yes, I think that here it is all who you know right mm-hmm. as soon as you meet somebody everywhere you try to figure out what your connection is right you meet right. a new person well where'd you go to school and you know we're immediately trying to figure out how we, how we probably are connected because we know that we are i think that's the charm of buying anything local anywhere like whether it's a product or going to like a restaurant or a bar uh music you know artist whatever it's like you buy the product but you also buy because of that that connection you feel with the people like it becomes part of like your your personal life as well when you go local you know it feels like right you feel good about supporting something like oh mm-hmm. yeah i got my coffee from ember and forge or um i got you know these flowers from bella's bloom she's a local gardener here you know she's somebody that we may be connected somehow and not even realize it you know what i mean especially when you're like talking about these products to other people right i feel like i could be like oh if i get these flowers every week you know, not just because I get them, but usually when you're doing local stuff, you, there's more conversation involved, too. Like, I'd be like, I could be friends with Kelly. I'm not going to be friends with Sam Walton, <laughs> you know, going to Walmart. And, right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think those things are huge because people are always, I know for me personally, like, you know, um, it feels good to have connections with people. Like, that's just a huge part of life. and, and It's I, very human and part of our, like, social nature. You know, we're so aggressively social that we found, you know, four-legged beasts with sharp teeth, and we're like, you're going to be our friend now. Absolutely, even if you don't like it. <laughs> even if you don't like it, because we like it. Exactly. And uh, that sense of community is so, so, so empowering, too. You know what I mean? It feels good to be able to support businesses like yours and other local businesses and uh, build that sense of community and that sense of connection and that's kind of what we're trying to do with this podcast as well is you know let people know about what's going on here in Erie and what people are doing and you know have those authentic conversations where we can get to know the the person behind the scenes as well as like the things that they're bringing the things that they're offering to our community that make it beautiful and make it lovely and a good place to live. I think this is a great avenue to do it, too, just because we get to sit down and and talk and, you know, have that conversation. It's not just like it's not a business transaction down here. Yeah. We didn't pay you. Right. You're not paying us. Nope. We're all just here for for the fun, which was also another huge goal was kick it with my homies, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. <laughs> Give me an excuse because I feel like anymore now that I, we're get, I'm getting older, I seldom interact with other people without a purpose behind it, you know what I mean? And sometimes there's not really a purpose for me to, you know, hang out with somebody other than the social aspect, and this kind of gives me that reason to, like, you know, talk to the people that maybe I haven't talked to in a while and see what's going on. Except for me, you see me way too Except fucking for Dave, much. You're always here, <laughs> always in my house. That does happen, right? As we just like start to fill our lives up, it you know feels like there's that never-ending list of things to do, and so it's very hard to break out of that. I know for myself, just my personality type too. It's like, okay, where's the to-do list? Where's the checklist? Let me get through it mm-hmm. and to prioritize just hanging out, you know, is, is sometimes that's hard yeah. for me, but 
is really needed. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. It is needed. And like you said, it's hard without a purpose. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're recording a podcast or, oh, we're playing a poker game. You know, whatever it is to get us to come together, we have to find some sort of excuse for it anymore. Uh, I wonder if that, because I feel like I never needed that as a child. Mm-hmm. What an excuse to get together with people. Yeah, exactly. yeah no. Yeah, you were just, just like always, dying to get together, it, it, right? Yeah. It was like, oh, when can I stop doing the thing so that I can just go hang out? It's, right. It's funny because I was just with someone yesterday and, uh, you know, we had a purpose for why we were meeting up. And, like, he was explaining to me about how in a city he used to live in, like, they would just, him and his friends would just get together just to, just to like, talk. You know, on a weekly basis. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. just to like, but not, but it wasn't, there was something that was circled around, but it wasn't like a football game or it wasn't like going and getting food. Like these people just got together on a weekly basis just to have conversation without any other kind of uh, implications to it. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, like it just blew my mind. I was like, people do that. Yeah, you know, it's actually, like, a very important thing that I do. Like, it's it's huge for, like, you know, feeling better and, like, sanity. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do that more, you know? Like, I don't know. Well, that's what meetings get us, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, it reminds us that we need to do that because I think just our personality type is we totally forget to do that yeah yeah especially after all that time being disconnected from everything and everything being transactional mm-hmm. you know but that's uh, almost yeah, sorry go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say in a way that i mean i guess everything's transactional like you know the, the meetings love love them but like you know sometimes i need to just be like unfettered you know there's definitely like a very important and necessary structure to those things. So it almost, it almost, sometimes it feels like it, it's like a, like a business thing, you know? Um, I don't know. I was just, just thinking checking about the box again. Just checking yeah, the right. box. I have yeah. to do. Yeah. yeah. So Kelly, you've been in recovery for a long time now. A few years. Yeah. A few years. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you ever imagine yourself being a flower farmer in active addiction? No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Unless kidding it was me? like a marijuana flower farmer. <laughs> Um, or poppies. I guess yeah, I always right? did poppies. want to grow flowers, but totally a different Are you place. growing any poppies? I am. You have a heroin plant. I do not have that kind. <laughs> 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 I do not grow those kind of poppies. Um, and you know how though. many poppies it takes? Okay, we're going to get way off topic, and I don't... Yeah, no, I tell us, though. A lot. Everything at once. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Like, acres of them. I don't even know how they do it. I haven't spent a lot of time trying to research that, but I think, I mean, it's a lot. You need a lot of land. Yeah. To yeah. make heroin. Mm-hmm. I feel, <laughs> admitting to crimes here, that I never had, that uh, I used to do, we used to go hunt for has closed poppies. Has the statute of limitations? It has to have been by now, but okay. we used to hunt for closed poppies. Well, we need a lawyer. And gather a bunch of them <laughs> up and hang and dry them and smoke the the did that sap. work yeah really yeah, yeah. Okay. Did it? i yeah. mean it's not heroin it's well because it's barely not opium. Yeah. Right. yeah but oh. it, if you smoke enough of it i mean it tasted like opium it felt like opium it was hmm. i was gonna say the closest i ever got to being a gardener off subject was like when i was a lot younger but the morning glory seeds would never make it to the ground 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I definitely, I definitely uh, took a few trips to the uh, the gardening section of the supermarket in my youth, but. And then took a few trips. And took a few trips yeah. too. Never got my hands dirty. <laughs> you know, never got any dirt under my under my fingernails. You know. Well, you need to because the dirt is the thing, right? Okay. But to your question, your original question, we'll come back to why dirt is important. Uh, okay. To your original question, no, right? So if you would have told my 17-year-old self, all I wanted to do was move out of Erie, this place was so lame. Right. Mm-hmm. My Sucked. life could finally start if I could just get out of here, you know? And, like, I was just, I had that thing inside that said, if you, you know, if you change your outsides, you'll feel better, mm-hmm. right? And so that already existed for me. And so my dreams looked like living in some high-rise apartment in a very busy city and, you know, doing things on concrete pavement all day and night, you know. And that, to me, was what success looked like, was more glamorous, you know. So, no, coming back to Erie, living in the house I grew up in, you know, over on Old Zook Road and farming, would you? I would have... I don't even know what I, you were crazy. You were smoking something and yeah. you told me that this is where I would have been. So how, how have your ideas of success changed? They have changed a ton. I think recovery does have a lot to do with that. Um, because, you know, we're on this journey about finding out, you know, what makes my spirit feel free. Right. I mean, to me, that is what the point of the whole thing is, mm-hmm. um, of living, of, of, you know, the spiritual evolution, the point of, of everything, why it happens. Um, and so initially, I think all people are just trying to have their basic needs met. And so, you know, having a roof over your head and food to eat and having some sense of security is kind of step one for us. Right. And so that happens. And then, you know, OK, now how much can I achieve and what status can I rise to and how will I be perceived and how will I be treated and, you know, can I find my way into places where people used to tell me not to come, you know? And so I spent some time, you know, pursuing that and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. Um, But, you know, that was very important to me for a number of years. And so I took a lot of exams and got a lot of letters after my name and, (laughs) you know, got involved with a lot of things around town and, you know, just really tried to be in the middle of it all and, um, you know, had these dreams about um, reaching certain status or, you know, owning things or whatever it might be, reaching a certain level, um, you know, within the firm I worked at. And then... You know, I just got to a place where I thought balance was kind of more important, right? And so it wasn't so much about what I could attain if I had to give up everything else to get there. And so if I want to be able to have a lifestyle that's more flexible and be able to, you know, take trips or, um, you know, have dinner and hang out with people and not have every day and every night calendared out for the next three months because, you know, um, that's what it takes to kind of keep achieving yeah um and so i made this pivot and i left public accounting and went to work for a manufacturer um and i've definitely lucked out you know i work for a great company um with people that i really like and who um you know really still have that family feel it's a family-owned company and they still really retain that and so i have that 
flexibility and autonomy to kind of, you know, get the work done, which doesn't mean I don't like go to work every day. I go to work, you know, and I work a pretty normal schedule, mm-hmm. but I do have more flexibility. Um, and I don't feel that pressure to constantly like be out and be in the evenings, going to all the happy hours and doing all the things to continue to network and build those relationships, um, which is how public accounting was. Um, and so then I think, you know, what are we here for, right? Like what's my purpose? And I don't know. Some people I think just get it. Maybe, um, Mm. a slight few who just know from the gate. Right. Yeah. Lucky. Uh, Yeah. Wish I would have figured that out a long time ago. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking with another guest a while ago, Josh, who is a homesteader out in, Mm. um, the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And he was talking about how, because you're kind of referring to the hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking about how that originally came from a Native American tribe, and they flip it on their head. Or Maslow put it in reverse. So the first step was self-actualization, figuring out what it was that made us want to keep living and keep doing things and what we were passionate about and then kind of working your way up to love and then eventually shelter. Cause I, and I feel like that's a lot of, a lot, like that's a very interesting way of looking at it because once you find that passion, I think it's impossible and you are committed to it and you work on it and you put in the legwork, it's impossible not to succeed. Hmm. You I, know what I mean? Cause like if you find that passion and you're working towards it, you're eventually you're going to figure like it's going to make money somehow you know what i mean if that's what you're really passionate about and that's what you're really working on whether it's i don't know uh cutting hair cutting grass growing flowers or whatever if that's something that you're passionate about and love doing and keep doing for long enough and are committed to it eventually it's going to turn a profit i think and you know not everything has to be hundreds of thousands of dollars either. Right. You know? And so I think, you know, just this different approach and mindset about, again, what success looks like. So you can be successful and and give everything away if you want, you know? I mean, Josh lives on a homestead and not to say that Josh is, you know, financially insolvent or anything like that, but he's given up that financial, um, goal or whatever that achievement of having x amount of dollars or whatever and has found new ways to or not new ways but different ways to make himself feel good you know what i mean or enjoy his life do you think that i'm gonna speak for me and tony i'm gonna speak for both of us just because sure speak speak uh so like i feel like this is a cool like especially cool business for someone like you because you definitely, as a person, I feel, and I think Tony can back me up on this, just like naturally, at least at this point, after all the hard work you've put in, bring like a like an intrinsic joy to people. Mm. You know, like sure. like I think both of us can say that like we're always extremely happy to see you. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, having this business and having the background that you do and having something that like like evokes the emotion usually usually of happiness that like giving a a bouquet of flowers to someone like does that just like elevate like the 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 feelings of importance of what you're doing or like does it i'm trying to think of the right words like uh like the fulfillment the fulfillment thank you yeah absolutely so 
you know, so I did all this work, like I said, you know, worked so hard, was so proud of myself. And what I did in public accounting was litigation support work, Mm -hmm. which means people are suing each other and something bad happened and everyone's fighting and nobody's happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even though I worked really, really hard and sometimes I got good results for my clients, they were going through one of the most stressful things that they probably will ever go through in their life. Um, And so, you know, the vibe and just kind of the energy that you're taking on in that type of a role is very, very heavy and stressful. And I'm not going to say I've gotten, you know, I can think of a specific client, you know, that was so thankful at the end of the day for everything that we were able to do for her. But still, just like that whole experience. And then when I would tell people what I do, they're like, Oh, you know, yeah. like I try to explain it to people. Well, I'm a forensic accountant and I, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. now I'm like, I grow flowers. People are like, what? That's <laughs> right? amazing. Right. And then I'm like, here, here's a bouquet. And they're like, this is the best thing ever. You know what I mean? It's just like, I remember coming home and telling my husband that after the first few being like, people are so much more excited to see me now yeah. than they ever were, you know? And after all those years of like an education and everything, that would be successful, right? People like me a lot more now. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I liked you back then, too. I did, too. But it might I have been different too. if you were investigating my accounts or investing somebody investigating somebody's accounts for me. I, I think That changes it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times, too, like, there's definitely a, a clash between how a person is in their private life and how they are in their public life. You know, and uh, flowers are definitely more human than forensic accounting. Maybe not, but like for like generally making connections with people, I feel like it's less intimidating. Like flowers are like the least intimidating thing. You know, it's something that we can all like conceptualize. Like, I don't, I don't. And I get to be kind of more my quirky self Mm -hmm. about this, right? Because to your point, kind of that's a very serious conservative role right I mean I I wore pantyhose in my like last job right mm-hmm. like there will be none of that on the flower <laughs> <laughs> you know so just to compare like there's the difference right I mean I'm wearing overalls I leave my house in my overalls now my husband is like are you going out the door like that I sure am that's right this is my work uniform now uh-huh. I'm going to the meeting in my dirty overalls sure am <laughs> and do you think the goal eventually is to just do Bella's Blooms all the time? At some point. I don't know when that That'll will happen. be. Um, Are you scared I, about that? No, because it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. I don't mm-hmm. have, like, immediate plans. Mm-hmm. You know, I am. I do love what I do for work and get a lot of fulfillment there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think... There is still that craving internally for those, like, mental exercises. And, you know, I'm a part of something that we are trying to grow and provide, you know, jobs for hundreds of people that depend on the business and, you know, make good product. And it goes into things all around the world, light switches, automotive applications. I mean, it's really cool what the business that I work at accomplishes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to continue to invest in this. So I think the way I see it is I'll continue to add things like that peony patch, other perennials, you know, trees, things that at whenever that is, if that's 10 years from now, whenever that is that I'm able to kind of pivot um, and maybe live this, you know, different alternate career 
that I will have built up the things and the resources that I need at that point. Right. Let it happen naturally instead mm-hmm. of trying to rush into it. Yeah, instead of having, you know, because I think it would feel very different if I had to support myself That'd be, yeah. off of this, right? So, like, that's the other thing that I can say that has been really cool is that, like, everything I invested, if I lost it all, I'm just really blessed that, like, it would have been totally okay. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it just, it's not a huge upfront, um, you can do it with a lot of investment, but you can do it with literally a couple hundred bucks if you wanted to. So whatever I put into it, I was comfortable just losing. I'm able to kind of just keep reinvesting that without this, you know, kind of, okay, bottom line, you know, yeah. and how much cash is going to be in the bank account because the bills are coming out, you know, that stuff's taken care of through my job. So I get to just do it and, you know, just really be creative and take chances. Do you think that the the prospects of that would keep you from making this like a, like a full time or the, the only thing that you're doing, like take the joy out of it? It could, um, you know, and so I've got a husband and he works too, you know, so I think it's a kind of joint decision about our lifestyle and what we're going to do next. And, um, but farming is hard, right? Did you know that, like, I think, uh, farmers are one of the groups of, uh, people in this country in terms of like their job that have the highest suicide rates i did mm-hmm. you know what's it's num- just really hard you know because like i said mother nature it you just can only do what you can do and you can just have a horrible crop year and there's just like not a lot Nothing. you can do about it mm-hmm. you know what i learned in college is uh the youngest uh age of death for professions are uh writers Good for you, Dave. Good for me. Yeah. I, I just got to... Uh, that just made me think of it, because I used to have a professor when we... Because I went to school for English and, uh, you know, writing, whatever. And uh, our one professor was like, man, you guys are tough. Like, you're in the the one of the lower paying, you know, careers. And everybody dies early, like... Hmm. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks Very for that. You know, yeah. and then he'd laugh, and we'd all laugh, and it would be uncomfortable. You know? <laughs> But like, I, I get, I don't know. It's a mix of like, like necessity and and, and passion more so for. Well, no, not even really more so because writers, you know, uh, creators, are just as important to society. Like they provide a, a different kind of nourishment, and maybe there's just like, a lot of weight that comes with. Providing for people. And I think with writing, there's a delay, too, right? Because you just don't know when it's all going to pay off. So people do it and, you know, do it for a number of years. Um, Is it the Harry Potter author, right, that submitted, like, how many books before one got picked up? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, she's a billionaire. Yeah. In my experience, personally, the answer to that is never, never. <laughs> but you, like you said, you never know. It could just be right around the corner. Mm-hmm. There's a certain romanticism to the, I won't even say starving artist, but like the starving business person that goes out and follows their passion and does their thing, too. Like, uh, I feel like it's definitely romanticized a little bit to be, you know, chasing your goal and maybe struggling to make ends meet, but you're... But it's okay because you have that fulfillment and that happiness because you chase that goal. And you were willing to take that risk, right? Because, I mean, I think there's this whiplash effect maybe a little bit in society because I think for 
however many decades, right? It was if you do X, Y, Z, then you'll be taken care of. So, you know, our parents' generation, it was, okay, you go to school and you get a degree and then you go and you work for a company and you'll get a pension and then, you know, life Mm -hmm. will all work out for you and you'll be able to get the house. And, you know, what we're seeing with the disruption you know, with having social media and just all of these things available to us. And then also having so many young people kind of turned off by the fact that it doesn't work like that anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. That like I can do all the right things and still not be able to buy my first house in a neighborhood that I feel, you know, comfortable in and support my mortgage because I have crushing student loan debt. And I'm not speaking personally. I'm just saying that's, you know, what's out there now in terms of like, the vibe about things. So I think we also just kind of have this almost counterculture to the whole idea of corporate America. And there's a lot of people that are like, I'm going to do a side hustle and maybe I can, you know, that was kind of the thought too is, okay, if I'm spending hours on a hobby, how can I also flip that and make it into something that maybe can make me money? Maybe I won't get rich off of it, but you know, if I'm making money instead of spending money, that's cool. And, you know, creating something, um, so that's like all the Etsy shops. I mean, how many people have a shop on Etsy? I don't know, but a lot, right. you know, and those are all people that probably have a place in their basement that they're woodworking or making leather stuff or printing t-shirts. And so I think it's just so much more popular where before I, 20 years ago, I don't know that many, you know, people that owned a business owned a brick and mortar, right. traditional business. Now it's like we can all own a business. Right. right. And, a, and a lot of the best businesses started in basements and garages. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like the barrier, the risk to entry is much lower now because of that fact that, you know, you can go to college and get your degrees and follow all, check all the boxes for what it takes to be a success and, and not find that. So either way, you're taking a risk, whether you follow your passion and, you know, make jewelry or do whatever you're doing or, you know, do the things you're supposed to do, you know, go to college, get a degree, work a job, all those things. And I think that is good and bad in a lot of ways because a lot of people want that sense of security, but at the same time, it leaves people the opportunity to strive for something else Mm -hmm. and give us, you know, beautiful, diverse communities like we have here and like they have elsewhere in the world where, all sorts of people are doing all sorts of different things and they don't have to report to a boss or meet certain profit margins or whatever. And I think that's, that's really great for a lot of people. I think that's awesome and beautiful to have your own sense of independence rather than to be reliant on, you know, other people for your, for your paycheck or for your food. I think that we're in the, the, maybe not the apex. I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we're definitely in the era where the old saying, it's not the the grades you make, it's, it's the hands you shake is really like the way to get by in life because there is a lower, like, uh, you know, threshold entry. That just means that, that you have more of a flooding in, in different markets, but also we're so, connected more so than we were before with all these social medias that if if you learn how to treat other people with respect and decency but also learn how to like promote yourself you can make it as far as you want to go in this world you know like you don't have to worry about someone driving 
by where you have your 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 pop-up set up or like where you have your store and just hoping that you know they stop in like you're like catching like a 10 second commercial on on the television that you have to pay out the ass for you just have to have like a mutual like how you said at the start you just have to have a, a mutual friend with a mutual friend and you, you get people that are bought into what you're doing without even leaving their house yeah yeah i was so surprised i didn't you know when i put those first bouquets up i didn't i think will these sell will i have them all sold at the end of the day i had no idea and then i had to say no a lot this summer you know and i i I wasn't growing a huge field but i mean i grew a lot i started over a thousand plants in my basement i probably started 1500 plants this year and i sold every stem that I could you know what I mean like that was sellable and in good condition was already paid for and I you know had to say no I could have probably you know sold a lot more than that if I would have had more the product so it just was like crazy to me because I thought selling it was going to be the hard part Mm -hmm. um but I think you know all of those years of networking and getting to know people in the community you know that I had done for other reasons really benefited me because when I put myself out there just a little bit, there was, you know, a ton of people, um, that really jumped right in with me. Um, so it's just, it's so cool to see that stuff happen where it's like, well, what's the reason for all of this? Or, you know, when you're in it, you can't see how five years down the road, it might become something totally different. I think the biggest fear for me, and it's weird, it's like irrational, I get well it's not it's not totally irrational but it happens every week when I click that write up a little post and click that share button when we put out a new episode because I'm like oh my god what are people going to think and you know as more time's gone on I've had more people come up to me oh yeah I saw that podcast or I listened to it and my first reaction is like oh god how you know like Mm -hmm. did you like it and they're like yeah and I'm like oh okay that's cool you know nobody ever says anything to me about it well, you also, I also, I interact with the public a lot more. Yeah, I guess so. It's fine. You're going to have to start tagging him. Yeah, you guys are going to have to start posting on our stuff and liking and following and everything. Instead of just talking to Dave. Yeah. No, it's okay. I know that you guys are out there and I know that you right, guys whoever's are whoever's listening. listening, next time you see Tony, give him a big hug. Yeah. And tell yeah. him you love the podcast. We, yeah. we need it. We need it. I need it. No, I do appreciate all you guys out there that listen every week. I see all you guys that listen, whether or not you comment or say or post or anything like that. So that's all I need, really. It's uh, what you guys really need to know, since I'm going to be talking to you, since you're going to be talking to me. I'm looking at you right now. Tony is the brains of this operation. I don't know. Okay. No, he is. He's the brains. I can be the beautiful face. That's right. And and it's a good combination. It works out well. So I'm watching you. I'm watching you right now. Tony's the fucking brains. <laughs> Give him some fucking credit. Kelly, do you think that uh, your relationship with your husband's changed at all? I see him out there, like, working on all of this stuff. <laughs> How, what's that dynamic been like? Um, so Matt is, you know, was raised in big cities, right? So he does not come from... I come from... So even though I didn't come from farming... When I was growing up, we had horses. I come from my dad waking me up on Saturday morning and be like, come on, I got this post hole digger. We're going to go fix the electric fence or something, <laughs> right? So, like, I I was used to that, and I was born with that, and I kind of learned to love that, and I'm really grateful for that childhood because I do really get a sense of... Do you have horses at your house? Mm-hmm. That's awesome in the barn. 
Yeah, so the barn did not look like it looks right, now, yeah. and it had horse stalls in the the downstairs part of it, and then, you know, like, the typical loft with all the hay in it upstairs. Um, Super cool. Yeah, and, like, all of that area that's mowed, that was the pasture, and it was all fenced in, mm-hmm. and that's where we had horses, and I, like, taught kids how to ride horses at church camp in the summer and oh, stuff, wow. so. That's cool. Yeah, that was definitely a big part, and then, you know, the landscaping or mowing the lawn and all of that, so... I think for me, you know, getting up at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. and going out there, I do find a lot of fulfillment in that. I don't know that that's, like, what he would have gravitated towards naturally. And I'm really, I really try not to push onto him that he needs to like what I like or do what I do because he doesn't, right? He's his own person. Just because we're married, he doesn't have to be into everything that I'm into. Mm-hmm. But I did say, hey, if you... You know, you may not be passionate about flowers like I am. I get that. But, you know, would you be passionate about running your own business? Because that's the chance that we have right now. So, um, you know, the, the things that he's particularly good at, like the logo. I was just looking at that. I was wondering if he designed it. He designed the logo, and I have gotten so much good feedback. And I know he's, like, just putting himself out there a he little has bit. Been. He has he, He's working on a logo for us too actually i might have seen it no way yeah. oh, i know so he's probably excited. not ready to share it with you guys i know yet. he has he's his own worst critic but i mean i put that out and people like loved it and i still get comments where people are like who did your logo you know and i'm like oh my husband did it yeah so. check out matt dandoulis if you need any graphics design out there i'm super excited now because i haven't heard anything from him in a while and i'm like oh he he probably forgot about it or he's no, he was like working today. Uh, awesome. Uh, that's yeah. so cool. I love We're it. so excited, Matt. If oh, you're yeah. out there listening whenever this comes out. And then he did my whole website, you know, which is like way more than I needed it to be, but it's fantastic. I'm so happy with it. So that stuff, you know, came naturally for him and he would put hours into that where I would be like, I don't know, just stick something on it. Yeah, you know? right. The um, and then I think he loves driving the tractor. <laughs> I don't know I that would, he that's a man thought, thing. Right, I, would, I don't know that he yeah. thought he would love it, but once he was up there, I could see it. He's into driving the tractor. So anything that requires the tractor, I think he's there for. Um, he also has definitely helped me when I need to harvest. You mm-hmm. know, so um, I have not had any. I've had a lot of people offer. I'd love to come work for you, or I'd just do it. You know, volunteering, and maybe it's the type a personality but it also is just there's a lot to know so Mm -hmm. it's not something that i can just be like here go you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of specificity about every little thing um but you know he learned on some of the varieties and so he is uh good to harvest and he has even put arrangements together with my direction Mm -hmm. i know he's probably gonna be like why did you tell people (laughs) 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 But when we've had events, you know, where I'm, like, putting together 30 at a time, uh, he's I've taken over the man cave, and it's now. The basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've used that for the It's workshop. a lady lair. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> he put up a workshop, like a true workshop in the garage for me towards the end of the season. So now I have, maybe because he didn't want the flowers all over his man cave anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's also easier than lugging the bu- buckets up and down the stairs. For sure. You know, yeah. and like, you know, not all varieties are safe for cats. And so like, just bring him in the house and my cats are crazy. Like this could not happen with my cat. So that's a little funny thing. Bella's Blooms is Bella is my kitty. She is 17. That's my heart. She's my number one. I love you, Matt, but you already knew that. <laughs> um, and so that's uh, the, the namesake, but all of 
of the arrangements are based on our cat's names, but we have this one cat, Leo, and you cannot have anything inside. He would, this would be done. You know what I mean? He would have mm-hmm. tore it down and drug it away by now. So I'm a flower farmer, but I never have flowers in my house. Uh, that's so funny. Cause that's kind of like, uh, Samantha she can't eat any of her food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how, how big is having a supportive partner been? Huge, right? Because he's not, I mean, this is a lot of time. Yeah. So it could be, I could easily see it being something where somebody's resentful. Well, you're not doing what I expect you to be doing and, you know, just causing difficulty. And he, you know, never is like, well, why are you doing flowers? You know, Mm -hmm. that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, so important to just to have like that backup because like everybody needs help too. And I'm sure that this show, as well as Bella's Blooms, would not be what it is without supportive partners in these engagements. Yeah, just, just somebody that way. wants to see you have fulfillment, right? And so, again, not everything has to have that, you know, return right away or be something that makes sense to anybody else. If it's the thing that you really feel called to do, you know, then... Um, and same with him, right? Like whatever it is that he's most into and interested in, if he decides it's flowers, game on. But um, <laughs> if it's something else, that's cool too. Yeah. I'm going to go with tractor driving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like that's all, like the tiniest amount of the work that gets done on the farm requires right. the tractor, right? You know, like two days out of the whole year. But, but it's undoubtedly the coolest job right. to have, yeah. in my opinion. Listen, it's hard to get my dad off of it. So, like, to get my dad to even let Matt drive the tractor was a lot, you know? <laughs> it was. I've, he, he got Matt. Matt drove it before I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kept saying, Dad, you have to like teach me to drive this tractor. Come on. I mean, I've grown up on a farm. It can't be that hard. Though tractors are dangerous. Don't know if you know that. Like, tractor accidents can be very, very, like, they're fatal. Mm-hmm. Lots of people mm-hmm. die on tractors every year. Usually because you're on a side hill and you roll the thing over, and obviously you Crushed, get crushed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're just driving back and forth from the compost heap back mm-hmm. over here. Dump it. That, you know, easy. That's such a tough skill to learn not to be jealous of other success and to be supportive Mm -hmm. at least for me like whenever especially like in active addiction if somebody Mm -hmm. else had something that i wanted i I was going to do my best to to shit all over any of their accomplishments because i hadn't got there yet like oh that's that's not impressive compared to like being supportive and being welcoming and encouraging people to keep doing what they're doing that's giving them this fulfillment and this success and this happiness and i may not do that publicly but in my head it was like oh fuck you dude i just i i I agree like i I feel like i could be a hater by nature well not could be i'm a hater by nature okay but like in my head it's a little bit of that but it's also like if it goes unfettered it's like instead of appreciating what someone else does it's just like i could do that better mm. you know even if i don't have any kind of right. experience well that's just the ego right so yeah. like we've learned how to name this stuff and so i think it comes from that place of feeling not enough right which is the core in my just personal opinion of addiction mm-hmm. is always that not enough syndrome which 
at the very core, it's like I'm not enough in some way. And so then when I see you, now I, I compare mm-hmm. because that's how the ego works. It's a comparison thing, right? That's how the mind works is that's red, that's blue. You know, it's constantly trying to put things in buckets. But then if I'm always comparing myself to what I perceive you to be that inside versus outsides thing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just saying, okay, that's good for you. That's great. I'm focusing on myself, you know, um, and then the ego is, wants me to make you less so that I can feel more. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think that comes not only addiction, but like a lot of different mental health mm-hmm. stuff really gets well, all tied and up. Society and, is all about it, right? I mean, that's how advertising works. That's how they convince us we need stuff that we don't need. Absolutely. Like, oh, maybe you'll be happy if you order this. Mm-hmm. You know, new pair of shoes yep. or new... You can have the exclusive thing that other people don't have, and now you'll have value that they don't, and somehow that'll make you more worthy. Right. Or you need to look younger. I encountered that the other day. That's been part of a journey for me lately. Just, you know, I turned 40 this year, um, and I'm all about it, right? I just, like, did not have any negative feelings about it on that day. Um, I feel lucky to have gotten here, you know, for sure. Um, but I was somewhere and there were all these like really attractive women who were young and they were out and they were all made up and, you know, and I had come from work and I was just in a, you know, I had that split second of like comparison or, Oh, I should have done more, you know, with my makeup or worn something cuter. And I was just like, let it go, you know, Mm. like good for them. They're in their twenties. I did that when I was in my twenties too, Mm, you know, and just being able to say, like, oh, that's cool that they're doing that without feeling left out or less than or, mm-hmm. you know, having to um, make what they were doing somehow about me. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that outside appearance is so important to, well, maybe not so important, but it's definitely something that I struggled with when I didn't love myself as much as I did today, you know, buying new clothes and making sure I was always dressed up anywhere I went to school, to, to the gym, to Mm -hmm. wherever I had to be on point because I had to show other people. I was very concerned with how other people viewed me and them finding value in me that I couldn't find in myself. I I know when I went back to school and we were in, we were in school at Barron at the same time. And, uh, I was on the newspaper, I was an editor, and like at first, once they found out my age, because you know, I look young for my age, I'm 34, but uh, you know, at the time I'm like 29 or so, when they find out my age, like I'm only eight, seven, eight years older than these people, and like they start calling me grandpa, hmm. you know, like uh, grandpa, old man, da da da, whatever. And there's definitely a little bit of like the, you know, the, the anger there. Not at first, you know, just like laughing. I'm the person to laugh it off, anyways. But after about the, this girl came in, and she was like, or the t- it was the teacher. She was like, I had someone in class, and you know, there's rumors spreading around about you. And like, she got and sat down in the class and was like, I heard there's a 50 year old, that's an editor on the paper, because you know how it's like telephone, like yeah. it just always grows. And I was just like, God damn it, dude! Like I'm not that much fucking different from you, you know? Yeah. So that's impressive that you're able to like you know see these things identify them and then respond rather than react i think that's definitely huge it's a tough thing to do sometimes and you know i don't miss being 20 Mm -mm. or in my 20s no my 20s were a hot mess my 30s got better so that's why i'm like the 40s are even gonna you know yeah that's why that's what i say to people all the time it's like it definitely has improved so far so why would i think it won't do that right you know this it's like all these right? stupid kids doing stupid kid stuff that I used to do. Oh, I'm so happy that 
I don't have to live like that anymore. The only things. The only thing for me, and I can only speak for myself, that I wish that I had that they do is the ability to sleep in a certain position and wake up and not be sore. Because that's starting to happen. And, like, God, I would trade that with a 20-year-old at any fucking... Not the mental, like, place. I wouldn't want to go back to that again. But I'd like to be able to sleep for a few hours in, like, a weird position and not have, like, my back hurt yep, for the and day. Just <laughs> jump right up and, like, go, right. you know what I mean, grab that double espresso and be on my way and not think twice about it. And eat yeah. double cheeseburgers mm-hmm. yeah. every day, all day long. Exactly. <laughs> Still can do that, luckily. Exactly. But I'm sure that's... It's going to come to an end eventually. Eventually. You'll get there once you get to my age in a year or two. You <laughs> right. get there. But So I have a quick question because we didn't we didn't get back to it. You said we were going to get back to it. Why do I got to get that dirt under oh, my fingernails? Oh, yeah. We need Thank the dirt. you. Yes. So there are, you know, in dirt, there are natural antidepressants. So mm-hmm. literally, like, having your hands in the dirt, being outside in the sunshine, like, really does something on a cellular, very scientific, physical level, in addition to just those benefits of, you know, I think, that are spiritual that are there, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have to actually put your, like, bare hands in the dirt. Have you noticed a difference in yourself since you started this? Yes. Mm. Yeah. I knew about the sunlight. I did not know about the dirt. I'd have, mm-hmm. I, I was uh, aware of the dirt. and Thanks for telling me. Would <laughs> <laughs> you have believed him if he did? It's, it's uh, part yeah. of my, edu- my education Tony's as a like telling David, go stick your hands in the dirt. Well, yeah. well, I don't think you knew about this, and we won't, you know, well, maybe we can not go this far off the, off the beaten path, but there was a seven-year period where I couldn't question anything that Tony said. That's right. Yeah, that that was a why thing. because because I made a, a stupid agreement. Not he it wouldn't some, say it was it, stupid. It was I don't know. I don't remember exactly. You what made it was this for. agreement and honored yeah. it. Yeah, for yeah. seven years. I am a man of honor. If anything right. else, I was right about something, and then it was just something very surprising to Dave, and he's like, "I'm never going to question anything that you ever say anymore." And I'm like, "Good, don't." And he never did. Up until like a year ago, and then something happened. He was like, "You can't question me," and I'm like, "No, that's over." (laughs) (laughs) We are in a new era. New era. So if it was like two years ago, and he was like, "Go stick your hands in dirt. It's good for depression." I would have done it. Well, yeah. Why were you holding out on him? Uh, I didn't. I guess I don't know. I I thought this was common knowledge, Dave. Yeah, everybody knew about the dirt. Yeah, and its magical powers. Uh, Yeah, obviously not. I guess not. Don't you think it's interesting that some of these, I think this is really interesting, that some of these things, like the homesteading, you know, other people you talk to, cooking, all of that, you know, are the things that are kind of the basics in life. And it's like we're all just kind of coming full circle back to that being important and not all this other stuff that we thought we needed. And I wonder if that is also just this evolution of humanity on this larger scale that is being you know, transformed one by one by individuals, but is really like this bigger yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've definitely talked about that a little, a little bit, especially with Josh and some of the other people, um, Tess to who does eat your yard was mm-hmm. one of our other gardeners. And I think that in general, at least from what I've learned in my recovery, the things that work best are the things that are simple mm-hmm. and I have a tendency to overcomplicate them and going back to those simple things that work like, growing food and growing flowers and all that stuff is really a reversion back to where we kind of should be instead Mm -hmm. of this big hyper complex 
uh, society that we live in today. Consume, consumerism, have to have everything, you know, and constantly feed it more and more and more. And like, really, it's just these very, yeah. these, like we do all of this stuff so that we can have this healthy home cooked meal. Well, couldn't we have just done that? Well, you know? I think too, like the, the more in depth and immersed we are into like AI and technology, there's just like a, a reaction to do things that make you feel more human. And I think that's a big part of it too. Like, like society now is just like, so it's so unnatural. I guess it could be, you could call it natural because, you know, we've made it from what's been given to us. Mm-hmm. But it, at this point, it certainly feels like a, a disconnect, especially people of our age who remember what things were like, like before the internet and before everything was like a snap of your finger just to like communicate or basically get whatever you want. So it's like a reversion, like, uh, to things, uh, you know, nostalgia, yep. things that made you feel comfortable or, you know, as a kid, I think that's a huge part of it. I think it's part of people learning what feels good and what does not feel good. And I think that planting a garden and growing flowers over a long term feels much better for much longer than me ordering a uh, new pair of shoes or a pan from Amazon that's going to be there. So, like, the consumption in general is great, and don't get me wrong, I feel good when I do a little bit of shopping therapy, but it does not sustain my happiness as long as going through something that I have to work more towards and get to yield the results from. I mean, granted, we still yield the results from our consumerism, but it's so... It's so quick. But it fleets. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and sometimes before I even get to the cash register, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like in the store and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then before I even walk all the way up there, I'm like, eh, not really. And I think (laughs) that it's part of like, it's humans just learning naturally, you know, what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And I think that, um, I read this, I posted this a while ago that when human beings initially start being kind to one another at like very young age like one two or whatever it's people learning that love feels better than hate Mm -hmm. and by doing something we love and finding something that we love we're continuing to perpetuate those good feelings rather than doing something we hate like uh working a nine to five that we despise or anything that's not bringing us passion and fulfillment like uh you know, going back to the simpler things and, you know, eating good food and cooking it yourself or growing your food or, you know, any of these things that our guests have talked about Mm -hmm. and, uh, sharing a message and finding that purpose, you know what I mean? Whatever that is, whether it's our own happiness or the happiness of the people around us, or maybe a little bit of both in, in an ideal situation, you know, well, Kelly, this has been beautiful. Yes, that was a great place to leave it at. I just, I just opened my fortune, okay, and this is the actual fortune. I, I told Tony before, and I was gonna open it at the beginning and be like, "Oh my God!" It said Kelly's gonna be the best guest ever, you know. <laughs> and uh, love it when they're on point. Yeah, yeah love right? it when they're on point. That's but the, so accurate. It's too. so accurate, but it's switched from the beginning to the end. It's weird, like you know text here uh but it says never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat and i think that that ties in well with what we've talked about here today right so if you're and that's been like a reoccurring theme with a lot of our guests lately is you know if something doesn't feel good do something about it change make a life change make a lifestyle change 
find it, whatever it is that gets that fire going inside of you and make it beautiful because we have such a wonderful community around here that supports each other and loves on each other and uh, makes this area great, you know? And, you know, I don't want to be in those last years of my life looking back, you know, wishing I had done more or tried more things, right? I don't think... Um, yeah, I, I want everything, of course. Everything um, at once. Everything at once. Yeah. I want it all. Everything life has to offer. But that means, you know, we got to get up and do something about yeah. it. Yeah. Just because uh, a certain batch of flowers doesn't grow doesn't mean that they never will. Right. I'm trying those asters again next year. Mm-hmm. You got this. Well, Kelly, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Go check out Bella's Blooms. Check out all of our other guests. They're amazing. And Say hi to Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to Tony. Post something on our things. Um, like, follow, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we love you guys all so much. Thanks for your continued support and listening. And thanks to all the people that have been on. We love all you guys, all of our guests that have been here. And thank you, Kelly. Thank you.